like any sort of race when you know that's going to happen I had stuck to the back when the gun went you know do your first lap in steeplechase and sort of stay out of trouble you know is 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 what you would usually do when you come to those bigger races um so gun went round in the first the first 200 meters and um, there, there's no barrier you know until you get you know past that sort of finish line mark and then it's your first your first barrier and that after that 200 meters and um, we went over the first barrier fine um, round the bend and the, the next barriers on on the bend then um, and that was a 300 meter mark near enough and um, went up in the air to hurdle it and as soon as I was in the air I felt a, a push in my back and all of a sudden came down on my lead leg which was my my right foot um, and my ankles are pretty flexible so when I went down and, and, and hit the track with my foot um, my foot, you know, just rolled back over to run on, but I could feel a sharp, sharp pain, and I, I, let, I let a scream out. That, my friend, was Kerry O'Flaherty, and this is the Inspirational Runners Podcast. Hey, everyone, hope you're all well. My name's Robbie Marsh, and I'm your host, so welcome to the podcast. This week, we revisit Irish Olympian Kerry O'Flaherty, who featured on an earlier episode. This is an amazing podcast, especially for those who are managing an injury at the minute. Last September, Kerry broke her fifth metatarsal during a key race in Spain. She was in top form with her sights set on the road to Tokyo. That's the kind of devastation that would send most of us down the rabbit hole of despair. Obviously disappointed to have lost months and months of hard work, like a true athlete, she redirected her focus on strengthening her mind and body back into condition. And at the age of 39, she's coming into the form of her life. In this episode, Kerry touches on the difficulty that women athletes face during their menstrual cycle the impact it has on their training, and more importantly, their race condition. I've seen other epic athletes such as Adish McCogan touching on this subject, which I think is important for our up-and-coming young female athletes. You can actually join Kerry in a running performance workshop, which is hosted by David Roach. It's in Kilkenny on the 11th of July, this weekend coming, 10.35 to 4 o'clock. It's a, it's a great opportunity to run and talk with a great Irish athlete and learn from the best. Before we start, I'd just like to announce the Inspiration Runners next event, the Finn McCool Virtual Team Challenge, which is a total distance of 1,350 kilometers. It's equivalent of running a marathon in each of the 32 counties in Ireland. Your team of four will have 16 weeks to complete the challenge, which is a minimum of 13.1 miles a week. You can walk it, jog it, run it, do whatever you can to get across that finish line. For the Looney Leprechauns out there, you'll have an option of chasing down the Golden Shamrock by taking on the challenge all on your own. Are you as brave as the giant Finn McCool? 1350 kilometers in 16 weeks. It starts on the 10th of July, so get your registration in. Don't worry if you just miss it. You have plenty of time to sign up. It just means you'll have less time to do the challenge. Sounds epic. Don't give it a second thought. Registration links in the show notes. Not to delay you any further. It's with great pleasure. I give you Gary O'Flaherty. Suppose the whole new COVID situation is changing things rapidly. Yeah, it has done. Um, but I suppose, I suppose for me, um, I'm coming through breaking my foot in September and um, not getting on very well with the screw inside my foot. You know, come New Year, so I'd made that decision with my consultant Alistair Wilson that we would go ahead and take the screw out in February. So um, it maybe didn't leave me an awful lot of time to get ready for Tokyo really you know going for that second surgery and really having to wait for the bone to fill in and everything so COVID has sort of been 
um, a slight blessing in disguise for me in a way because I could get stuck into my training and and really concentrate on on the rehab part of it. Yeah, and there's like with Tokyo being moved out for a year as well. That was a. It's not a good thing. Obviously, it happened. Yeah. Um, yeah it's you know it's it's not great you know the situation is not great for for everybody especially those people who sort of really have to sort of self-isolate and and you know really look after themselves more than than you know sort of the general public um but you know for me it's it's been i suppose for me and a lot of runners it's just been like one extended long training camp you know we're (laughs) used to being um in lockdown as such you know going away to altitude training warm weather training um so it's just sort of been like an extension um and i know for a lot of people it's really you know let them get them let you know let them get the niggles at bay and um you know a lot of people have like me have concentrated on sort of the the weaknesses um where we've had to you know build ourselves up you know whether it's been sort of extra core looking after yourself doing that you know self massage foam rolling all those little bits that are maybe neglected because you're rushing up out the door to get your run done. Um, so I think sort of a lot of people are in good spirits about it in a way. It's been it's been tough for a lot of people, um, you know, not being able to use um, a, tr- a track, you know, swimmers not being able to use pools. You know, that's been tough. But I think the way a lot of athletes have improvised has been brilliant. You know, you know, some of the guys had to get, you know, those large paddling poles out in their back gardens and bungee themselves to the side, you know, so it was great even, you know, seeing the likes of Emma Sharkey that um, competes in triathlon and, um, you know, sort of those girls um, sort of really improvising and, you know, getting the wetsuit on because it was still cold and, um, you know, still getting their training in, you know, and getting their gym done at home. And um, so I think in a way, you know, we've all, I guess athletes are really resilient. Um, so we will find a way and a means of doing something if we can't, um, whether it's, you know, you've got an injury and you need to get on a, a spin bike or aqua jog or something like that, you know, we can always, you know, we've always got a plan, a plan B and maybe a plan C in place as well. Yeah. And that's a re- that's the real difference about somebody who competes at a high level is that focus because obstacles do come in front of us. Um, but you talked about improvisation there, you mm-hmm. know, when you're hit with uh, an obstacle, then you're improvising how to get around that. It's quite amazing how we've actually evolved over the last couple of months on how these things, some things have been taken away from us and where where we've replaced them with other things that we should have been doing for years. We've had that opportunity now to mm-hmm. to take them. Um, you talked about your injury in September. I really want to unpack that. Um, but yeah. prior to that, I want to talk about your, your condition before the actual injury because you are actually in some of the best forms of your life, really. Yeah, I was I was getting into good shape again. Um, sort of the past, say the past, you know, year I had been struggling, um, you know, with with stomach problems, um, and really sort of getting, um, the the nutrition right to sort of keep food within the system, um, especially you know before racing and so on, um. And it was it was getting to, to the bottom of that. Um, I'd, I've I've worked with um, I'd spoken with you know Sharon Madigan um to sort of you know really sort of pinpoint because I, I did have tests done and so on and there was nothing really coming up. So um I I did a small FODMAPs um on Sharon Madigan's suggestion um and found out that there there were a couple of things there that sort of really didn't agree with me and agree with my system. You know onions being one of them. You know something that's nearly in sort of everyday life foods you know 
Um, so I'd really sort of really got, you know, to, to grips with, you know, cutting a couple of things out, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't major. It was, you know, very, very, you know, simple things. Um, and, you know, I was, I was coming into, you know, really good shape again, you know, my, mm-hmm. my, my was, was showing it, um, you know, I was ready to, ready to run fast and really sort of ready to, um, give the, the time for, for Doha for the world championships, a real go in this race in Spain. Um, so, you know, I was feeling, I was feeling really good again. Yeah. Sharon is absolutely awesome, isn't she? She knows her stuff. Like, um, I've tried to get, we're trying to get the timing right to get her on the podcast. I think it's one area that a lot of people <laughs> struggle with and there's no right or wrong answers because we're so different. Were you taking anything, um, to help support that nutrition aspect? Um, your gut health is very, very important to an athlete, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And I think I was I was having sort of a, a struggle with my gut, but also having a struggle um with periods. Um, you know, it's it's something that, you know, a lot of female athletes are now, you know, coming out and starting to talk about, you know, because it is an issue for a lot of us. And, you know, it it, it was the stomach in one way, but then again, you know, um for I was just so unlucky that sort of every time like a race was coming up that season prior to to that race in Spain um you know my cycle was basically falling on the race weekend um and I was feeling terrible um, so one thing that, you know, Sharon Madigan has spoken about, and I did do some research with, with Sharon and um, some of the other um, doctors in within uh, the Sports Institute um, was sort of fe- looking at female health. Um, and one of the supplements that um, they got me to go on was omega-3. Um, so omega-3 um, for me has made the difference in symptoms. Um, and as soon as lockdown had happened, um, I couldn't get this certain uh, omega-3 Um and so I just, I just sort of forgot about it. And then next of all, you know, that the symptoms of the, you know, the cramps, the feeling heavy, the feeling lethargic and tired that, you know, that comes with women's cycles and um, that hit me again. And I was like, gosh, you know, it just sort of showed me that the omega-3 was really helping me. And um, so Sharon's been great in, in looking at that, you know, looking at female health within within running and, and other sports, you know, related to women's cycles the hormonal change and so on um and and also looking at the you know nutritional side of it um and i guess for me it was maybe just maybe eating that little bit more as well you know i've always been one that has eaten well um but it's sort of the extra snacking that sometimes if you're on the on the run on you know rushing about that you do forget about um you know and and i'm sort of somebody that um works better off you know yes having my three meals my breakfast my lunch and my dinner but also snacking throughout the day for for periods you know um you know it really I really need that sort of extra energy you know I can't leave it sort of you know four or five hours six hours between sort of breakfast lunch dinner um I sort of really get that that sort of sicky feeling um so for me it was you know bringing back that snacking through the day and sort of things like sort of natural things like nuts and things like that which would be quite high in fat but good fats um and really sort of looking at my you know hydration as well I suppose that's something that I always need to remind myself about and the hydration you know I could I could go you know after after a run and then I have my drink I could go the rest of the day without you know taking much fluid on and so you know really sort of you know reminding myself you know you have got to keep sipping away you know just to keep the body you know even keep you know the muscles hydrated and so on after big sessions and so on yeah it's like a race car coming to mind when you were talking there, you know, you really do have to look after your body and especially mm-hmm. the more load. And this is for everybody, really, even club runners or anybody at all. And um, we have busy lives, kids, work, all that good stuff behind us. Like, and 
if you're taking on more load, like if you're starting to do a heavier training load, you have to fuel your body properly. What you got away with three or four weeks ago isn't going to do now, or especially that progressive fatigue. That's one thing that sort of catches up with me is mm -hmm. you'll be good for a week and then two weeks, like one, one good night's sleep's not going to do it. <laughs> you no, think, well, yeah, that's it. I had eight or nine <laughs> hours sleep last night. I'm great now. No, actually, you're carrying three weeks of fatigue. Yeah, yeah. Like the sleep, the sleep part of it's very important. But, you know, even on that nutritional side, you know, especially for women and, and, and looking at your cycle, like um, I have an app on my phone. It's a Fit, Fit R1 our woman app um and it's it's really great at basically pinpointing you know you can put your dates in um and you know it, it it comes up with um you know sort of which week you'd be on on a cycle and so on and telling you what's happening what changes are happening within your body you know so in in the run-up you know to to um you know a female um getting their period there's a lot of extra inflammation in the body um, you know, so that then trying to go and do um, a really hard training session, which most of us have to do, you know, if it falls on a certain day, you know, that's it. But sometimes you do have to listen to your body and say, right, I'm going to back off a little bit. But, you know, when you've got an app like that, you know, being able to tell you, OK, you know, the, the inflammation is high at the moment and then you're going out and doing a training session. So then you're doubling it again with the inflammation. Um, but there's really good information on that app that basically, you know, can can tell you um what foods are really good as anti-inflammatories and so on. Um, so it sort of sort of pre-warns you, right, you know, your cycle's coming up um, and the, the, these are the changes that are happening. Um, you've got more inflammation in your body. These are the type of foods and meal plans that you can use, you know, to sort of help with that, to give you more energy, um, you know, to, to put some antioxidants into you, to put some anti-inflammatories into you that are all natural, um, you know, and, and help you work towards, you know, feeling better, training better and so on. And, um, you know, it does tell you when you should ease down and it also tells you when you would get sort of the most out of your strength training and so on. So it's, yeah. it's, that, that's quite good and it's, it's really good. And, um, you know, I think sort of this day and age, you know, it's, it's, it's good that a lot of females out there, like the likes of Eilish McColgan and so on, are, are speaking up now about, you know, the female cycle and how different it is for, for men and women to, you know, say train and race and so on, you know, when, when women have got these things going on. Yeah, the, the app also sounds like it would add some benefit during COVID. Because um, one mm -hmm. thing we really haven't had from the government is very similar to what you're saying is how you look after your body. And, you know, people are carrying a lot of stress and inflammation even comes with stress and things like that. But oh, yeah. looking after your immune system is a key thing. You touched on hydration there slightly. Do you, is it just water you're hydrating with or do you add anything else to try and keep your electrolytes up and things um, like that? I, I find when I sort of just drink the plain water, you know, I could be drinking it and it could be starting to bloat me. Um, I've, I, I, I do suffer from fluid retention. Um, so, you know, I would bloat. I, I always find I need something in it for my stomach. Um, so I do use a product called um, S SOS. So it's a hydration product. It comes in a, a little handy sachet and you can also get tubs. So I, I would use that. Um, I've actually run out <laughs> during lockdown and, you know, supplies have been pretty low. The demands have been really high for lots of different things, you know, including weights from the gym and so on. So, um, you know, a little bit of dilute juice um, and a pinch of salt you know, yeah. does, does, does the job when you run out of these things. Um, but the, the sachets I use are, are, are really, are really handy. So they are, and they're, um, they come in sort of like a little, um, sachet that's a bit like a sugar sachet, you know, so it's, it's, it's pretty easy to pop in your pocket if you, if you, if you need it or anything. So, yeah. And what I found settling the stomach as well was even just a bit of lemon or a bit of apple cider vinegar sort of helps mm -hmm. as well. 
um, to rebalance the body. So we talked about just before the injury happened, what type of mileage or what was your training like just before that? I want to try and create a picture of where exactly you were because you were doing quite high mileage there before the injury hit. Um, yeah, so, um, my, my mileage, um, during the week would be, you know, when I'm sort of building up my mileage and, and running sort of like the win- winter time and sort of, you know, pre season sort of mileage would be 70 miles a week. Now, when I come into a race week, um, I would, lo- I would lower that to probably somewhere between 45 and 50 miles a week lower on that um to, to that for you know race preparation and so on so really over like a summer period where you're you're racing sort of you know june july august that's that mileage does come down um yeah. you know and i need to be i need to be ready for that for for a race so it does come down to, to 45 to 50 and do you work off training blocks like do you do like three weeks of sort of build and then fourth week recovery or do you work any blocks or is it just depending on your racing yeah so we we have we have done that in the past where you know sort of we have the sort of the, the harder weeks and the sort of slightly higher mileage week and then you know bring that down a little bit as well and um, you know so so we, you know we do work that way Um, you know within you know lockdown we have scheduled training like our winter training block really Um, so I have had a lot of weeks there of, of 70 miles a week um, and there may be like one week where we decide, right, let's bring that down a little bit and it'll come down to about 65. Um, but at, at the moment, because, you know, my injury was September um, and I, I got back, I got back running well and was actually at a um, training camp with Athletics NI in Spain in January. Um, you know, I was actually training well again, but there was always that little bit of pain in the foot and whenever I tried to push things on. So it really sort of was, was, was hurting me. Um, so deciding to get the, the screw out in February and then really I've been wanting to try and, and build myself up again. I needed to build that, that you know, aerobic part up again um, so really, you know, I was going back to, you know, sort of building those winter miles that I'd sort of really lost in a way, you know, we'd, we'd sort of got away with it with, you know, um, you know, getting, getting good running in, um, sort of quality running in, um, but it was really building that mileage up again for me to, to, to really work on my endurance block, because if you think about it, you know, it was really sort of, you know, from now I'm, I'm 10 months since the injury. Um, so it had been a long time since I'd really been out of the swing of, you know, that sort of 65, 70 miles a week. So it was really building that back up. Um, but, um, you know, COVID allowed me to do that gradually. You remember the last um, race that you had before your injury and how well that went? Yeah. So um, one of the races um, was in Birmingham. Um, and it was set up by Luke Gunn and he, he set up a really good BMC meet that night um, and it was mainly based on you know the, steep, the steeple girls um, and, and getting a good racing place for us they've got a lovely track there in Birmingham lovely tartan track I love tartan I'm not a big fan of Mondo Mondo is really hard on the joints and so on for me um, so uh, Luke had set up a really good race um, we had a really good bunch of girls from gosh all over um, there was a you know an American girl, a Canadian girl, um, a girl from Australia. Um, there there was a really good bunch of girls in there. Um, so that was the the first race of the season that really you know I was feeling real race race fit again. Um, and you know the race the race went you know well for me. Um, and you know I knew that there was going to be more in the tank. 
for then the, the, the next race in Spain. Um, you know, steeplechase is it's re, it's a it's a really hard event to get right sometimes. Everything has to go right on the night um, for for steeplechase, and it's really that third kilometer that mm. you know is is the tough one. And you know, talking about my mileage and my training, you know, sixty five to seventy miles a week, and you know, running um, a lot of threshold stuff, you know, really gets me ready for that final last kilometer where it's it's really really tough. Um, but you know, I was running well that night, uh, and you know, what does that mean? What does that mean? Running well? Running well? Yeah, what does that mean? Because you're very modest. Well, uh, I was, I was, I was back on, I was back, I was, I was on, you know, sub 10 pace, you know, for me, that couple of races okay. hadn't gone so well that I'd sort of run, you know, 10 minutes something. Um, you know, so my PBs is 9.42 and, um, you know, I, I haven't ran 9.42 since, you know, 2015, the Olympic qualifier, um, but I had been hitting in t- 2016, you know, that 9.45, you know, I hit that 9.45 three times in 2016 in the lead up to the Olympics. Um, you know, since then I was sort of hitting the 9.50s, but, you know, last last year and last summer, you know, with, um, you know, stomach problems and so on, you know, I hadn't been feeling that great. Um, training was going, you know, well, I was getting away with it in training, but when I came to the race, um, you know, I was sort of running 10, 10 minutes, something in some of the races. Um, so that race, you know, I felt that, you know, I felt good again. I didn't feel in the other races where I'd just run, you know, just over 10 minutes. I was sort of feeling, you know, a bit of fatigue, really. Um, so, you know, I felt good that night, um, you know, and I was back, I think, I can't remember, 9.50 something. Um, but, you know, I was back in the 9.50s. And, you know, when you get back in the 9.50s, you're, you're, you're right and touching with it with the 9.40s. Um, so, you know, I sort of knew, yeah you know, we're, we're, we're back on track here. We're back on track with, you know, running well. I think, I think I'd, I'd maybe opened the season, um, in, in Erdogan with a, with a 950 something. Um, so it was sort of then a season of, of races that just didn't feel so good and so on. And then that, the, the, that BMC in Birmingham, you know, I felt good again. And, you know, on, on the phone to Richard saying, yeah, yeah, right. You know, the, the racing's back now, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good over it. I'm not feeling that awful, you know, hitting the wall in that last kilometer in the steeplechase. Yeah. Cause it is relentless. Like, so you've, you were back up to your mileage, getting around 65, 70 mileage, good quality training was happening. You had all your aerobic and anaerobic sort of all coming together. You got your stomach issues sort of ironed out. Um, you were able to hold, you were able to hold balance really well and listen to what was going on to your body. Um, so you'd worked out a lot of things, and then you came into the, this race and then again, sub 10, like it's all starting to come together and you know that you're within touching distance with Tokyo just around the corner as well. It's all happening at the right time. Mm-hmm. And then the next race was Spain. Yeah. So the next race was Spain. Um, it was, it was, it was, I just, it was, it was really warm. Some of those races was, were really warm. Um, like earlier on in the season, um, you know, we we had Watford and it was it was I think it was over thirty five degrees at night in Watford. Um, so although you know most of us ran well in Watford BMC, um, it, the heat was horrendous. But you know it was it was it was warm in Spain, but we'd been used to you know we'd sort of been acclimatized then over sort of that heat wave that we that we'd had. 
Um, so I'd, I'd gone into Spain. It was very hot that night, but the, the steeplechase race was going to be a little bit further on in the evening. So we knew the sun was going down and, you know, it was going to get a little bit cooler, but not too cooler. I think it was still about 30. So, um, but, you know, the sun wasn't beating down on you. So, you know, it was all good. Um, it was just about, you know, keeping cool that day and, and staying in the shade and so on. Um, and, you know, there were some really good um, names in the race. Um, there was a handful of Africans. So I knew that they, the Africans were going to go off in quite, you know, at quite a good pace. Um, so like any sort of race, when you know that's going to happen, I had stuck to the back when the gun went, you know, do your first lap in steeplechase and sort of stay out of trouble, you know, is, is, is what you would usually do when you come to those bigger races. Um, so gun went round in the first, the first 200 metres, um, there, there's no barrier, you know, until you get, you know, past that sort of finish line mark. And then it's your first, your first barrier. And that after that 200 metres, um, we went over the first barrier fine, um, round the bend and the, the next barriers on, on the bend then. Um, and that was a 300 metre mark near enough and um, went up in the air to hurdle it. And as soon as I was in the air, I felt a, a push in my back and all of a sudden came down on my lead leg which was my my right foot um and my ankles are pretty flexible so when I went down and 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 hit the track with my foot and um, my foot you know just rolled back over to run on but I could feel a sharp sharp pain and I, I, let, I let a scream out um but you know the adrenaline made me run on um, I obviously, I, you know, I can remember limping those first few steps, you know, after, you know, that the foot hit the track um, and thinking, oh, gosh, this is really sore. But thinking oh, it's probably just a sprain. Um, I'd never experienced a break like that or experienced a break, really. Um, so I ran on and I ran on for I just I just kept thinking, you know, as I run on, you know, things will ease because I've I've twisted ankles before and um, you know, out in Tollymore Forest Park and I've always learned to, you know, if it if it's if it's okay, you know, run on because it actually feels better, you know, sort of once you get the blood flowing through it and things. So I thought, right, that's gonna happen. Um, you know, the first water jump, I was probably a little bit hesitant and thinking, Oh gosh, I don't really want to land on this, so let's put the the sore foot on the barrier and land with the other one. Um and just as I went round, you know, I could just feel I wasn't running like I should be. I wasn't fluid. Um, I could feel that I was carrying this foot and the pain was there, but I was I was I was running through it. I was running through it on adrenaline. And I did after, you know, the, the foot hit the track. I ran on for three and a half laps more until <laughs> I, I was like, no, Perry, you're you know, you're, you're trying to favor the foot here that you're hurdling on. That's not you. Um, it's, it's not, you know, do, do the right thing before you do any more damage because there's something wrong. Um, so I had to stop, um, after, yeah, it was after three and a half extra laps. So I had to stop. Um, and as soon as I stopped, I actually couldn't walk. Um, there was, um, a friend in the crowd, um, who runs steeplechase also and um amy pratt and I, I called her down and she came down onto the track she had run 1500 that night and uh, i says i think i've done something really bad here um so she helped me hobble off the track and her coach came down and helped as well and and he got the medics over and she helped me take my, my shoe and my spike off and there was sort of like an, an egg shape lump at the side of my foot and 
I just looked at it and thought, you know, I've had sprains and strains before and I knew seeing a big lump like that wasn't wasn't great. So I she says, Do you think you can walk? So I tried to walk with the barefoot on the on the flat ground and I was like, No, I actually can't put this down. So off in the ambulance, taken to hospital. Um I was I was seen really quickly, which was which was really good. Um I had my European medical card with me, which you know was was essential for me to be seen really unless I wanted to get the credit card out. <laughs> And, um, you know, the x-ray and that they showed me and you could see the break. So it was a break of the, the fifth metatarsal. Um, and at the time, I didn't know, but it was a Jones fracture. And the, the Spanish doctors were saying, you know, they put me in plaster. They put me in like a half plaster because um, I was flying the ne- flying home the next day. And uh, they said, oh, oh, yeah, it just needs plastered. Um, but then, you know, as soon as I got home and was on to um, the sports institutes, um and uh, a podiatrist um who was my podiatrist from back in 2005 until he he went to guitar Athel Thompson um I had a chat with the podiatrist and he says no he says that that's a Jones fracture that's gonna need that's gonna need a screw in it um so we went from there to you know Sinai getting yeah. getting in touch with the consultant for me um to then go through the process of so talk, uh, the talk to me about that evening then that you went to the hospital and you see mm. the x-ray and you actually because it's not until you see the x-ray you're sort of hoping that it's not even though there's an odd egg shape on your foot in a place that it shouldn't be um and then you see the x-ray and you can see the break and it's quite common to break you know that fifth metatarsal mm-hmm. it's quite common for, for a lot of people um surprisingly it's an injury i haven't had yet <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit. It's a big footballer's injury. Big footballer's injury, you know, with them rolling over onto the side of their foot and um, sort of like impact. But it was it was full impact for me yeah. from a height because I'd I was hurt. I was hurtling. <laughs> what what went through your mind when you seen that X ray? Oh, I was I was devastated. You know, I was. But before the X ray was done, I think you know my mind. I I knew you know that you know it it just wasn't a sprain or a strain. But you were hoping for that and. You know, I was I was sitting I was I was in, in the corridor on the on the wheelie bed waiting to go in for the X-ray and I think I was I was, I was crying at that stage because I, I knew um and then when the X-ray was done you know I guess tears tears again um plus I was in the hospital on my own um uh you know taken away in the ambulance on my own nobody came with me um but you know I, I was lucky enough that then the the organizer um came and collected me in his own car and took me back to the hotel which is really good so it was really nice to see a friendly face and you know he really reassured me he was like you know you'll get it sorted and look you know you're you're welcome back to to, to run our races and, and everything and, and hopefully could qualify for Tokyo and you know so I was sort of thinking well if, if something's going to happen and best it happens sort of now rather than coming into 2020 um so at the time I was like yeah right you know trying to stay positive um you know so as soon as I'd, I'd you know then traveled home I had to get one of the GB guys the next day to actually get my my bag onto the bus and things and I was like how do I manage this wheelie bag with with crutches um <laughs> but I got I got sorted okay Richard met me off the plane and then it was then starting the process of okay right what's the damage what do we do um and and what are we, how do how do we put this in place then um and uh you know that was on a that had happened on a Friday night. I was home on the Saturday, and by Sunday I went to A and E here at home, 
and then that got the ball rolling to then um you know get get surgery sorted out which i was i was hoping to get on the nhs on the wednesday um but we we lost the slot and emergency came in so we lost the slot there um so i went privately then on the friday so just one week after the break i went privately then to to have the surgery to have a titanium screw inserted into the bone so it would heal <laughs> Yeah, it's quite an emotional roller coaster. Like, so you're very mm-hmm. focused, and to keep it in context, you know, we got Tokyo at the beginning of 2020. You know, this is September. You know, things are starting to come together, um, and there was not really that long, you know, months and months and months of hard work working towards that mm-hmm. goal, and then in one swoop, it it can it just gets lifted from you, um, but staying focused on what to do. Because I had torn my ligament then, I think it was in March, and I was mm-hmm. um, following you on Facebook. And it gave me such a drive to see how focused you were perceived to be anyway. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, was, it was great, all the messages of support that I received from people. It was unbelievable that night, you know, and and, and continuing now, you know, and, and I thought, you know, sort of like, like, like most of us at the minute, you know, sort of living a bit of life on social media, I was like, right, you know, this is definitely one injury that I've got to track for, for people and, and put out there and put out there, you know, how my progress is going. Because as soon as we were back and the surgery was done, you know, it was like, right, okay, you know, talking with the consultant, you know, how long is this, is this going to be? How long, you know, do I have to, you know, stay off it and then be in a boot and then sort of go through the walking process and, and then, you know, bringing in the running process and, and so on. And, you know, before that, obviously, um, cross training to keep, you know, the, the endurance fitness up to keep the cardio fit and healthy. So, um, you know, everything, we put everything in place, you know, um, you know, Sinai were great, you know, with the, with the physios there and the S&C coach, you know, putting something in place that, that I was going to be, you know, fit and ready to go for when the running came back in, you know, my, my body was strong and so on. Because um, as, as soon as I broke the foot within, you know, 24, 48 hours, that calf muscle went completely. It went to a bag of jelly. Um, it, was, it was crazy how you know how you're so conditioned and then all of a sudden you know an injury happens and you're completely off your your feet but then you know your muscle just goes and so it was really looking at you know building building those building the muscle up you know while I wasn't able to to walk or run you know so it was you know um sort of sticking the the tens electrodes on on the calf muscle to keep it going um and then as soon as you know the the um the break or the sorry the um the stitches and the and you know healed and the, the scar healed it was getting um a low ultrasound machine an oxygen machine on there to to heal the bone help heal the bone as well um so everything was put in place and of course you know Richard and I looked and was like right training cross training um and you know it was it was spin bike when I could you know at early days I was actually on you know maybe I think it was I think I gave myself like you know that good week of you know settling down and so on and then it was like right okay let's do some upper body gym so it was sitting on a chair and getting the upper body done getting a little bit of core done and then actually getting the for the cardio getting the my rowing machine and buying um a cheap skateboard off ebay and sitting on the rowing machine with you know one foot on the rowing machine and the other foot sliding back and forth the one that i wasn't allowed to weight bear on sliding back and forth on a skateboard you know just to try and get that little bit of cardio and keep that going um because you know in in my head and you know chatting to everybody who was supporting me on it, it's like no we can still you know you can still get ready for tokyo you know 
you've done this and this injury has appeared in September, you know, we can, you know, you don't have to, you know, you'll not be racing anyway in Europe until, until June time. So, you know, we can, we can go with this, we can give it a good go. Um, and, you know, then I was ready to then got back to running and then I was ready to go on a training camp, you know, in Spain. But again, we were sort of focused on getting me um, sort of race fit and so on. So what we did was instead of really sort of what you would usually do, you know, progress and progress that running and progress the slow running what we did was we ran every other day but we did a training session come January um I'd, I'd got the go ahead with the consultants and the physios to do all that as well um, and, and and it was working well it was just then I would have been in in a lot of pain the next day although but we were only going right we'll run every other day and the other days we'll we'll put in you know a big block across training so it was uh, there was a fantastic pool over there in Spain and um, I was in the in the pool, aqua running, um, and um, it, it was it was a really really good training week I had out there. And um, but when I came home and we were thinking, right, we've got to progress this, but I have to get into spikes now because you've got to wear spikes for steeplechase. And we thought, right, well, we've got to, you know, I've been running fast tempo and fartlek here, but we've really got to, you know, start to put the the fast strides in. Because for steeplechase, you want to run fast into a barrier and fast off it, you know, so you really got to get up on your, on your toes, really. Um, but as soon as I tried to do that, the pain was in the foot. It was like they, it was like I, I had been running sort of really with a flat foot as such, you know, and not really recognizing that with the normal running. But then when it came to, right, spikes on track, um then it was like, gosh, the foot doesn't like this. And it really, it responded badly. So it was then back going on to the Alter G, which I'd used before as well, sorry, in, in my rehab, um, and getting on the Alter G and trying to get the foot used to getting up on the toes. Um, but it just, it, it, it wasn't happening. It was just, you know, it, it's the, the consultant embedded the screw in so that we could have a chance and didn't need it taken out. But the, the bone and the foot just didn't like this screw. So, you know, we sat down then and at the end of January and we discussed, right, you know, we can take it out. Um, and I says, OK, well, what's, you know, what's the scenario there? You know, if we do take it out and, you know, he said to me, well, look, you will have a hollow bone. So that bone will need to heal again. Um, we can put a calcium stick in, so a calcium graft. Um, it will help the healing process, he says, but you will have a hollow bone for around sort of four to six weeks. It'll be pretty weak and I won't want you running. So at that stage and, you know, thinking, right, you know, the screw's coming out in February, four to six weeks. Tokyo's probably this is this is, you know, it's it's not going to happen, you know, so I sort of really had to you know, prepare myself back in February when it came out that, you know, gosh, right, you know, realistically, in all honestly, honestly, you know, I I can't get myself, you know, steeplechase ready. I can't, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it was possible, you know, looking at September onwards, but then looking at February, having the foot opened up again, having the bone opened up and the screw taken out and a hollow bone, you know, for, for my health, you know, even it was like, you know, this, this would be crazy. This would be really crazy. We could cross train and then bring the running in, you know, later when we were allowed to, but it could be crazy. But my, I did all the right things. I, I ate really well. 
um, you know, and and this time round, because then basically, you know, the whole, you know, COVID situation, pandemic hit, you know, only a couple of weeks into, you know, sort of my my rehab. And then it was like, oh, gosh, you know, maybe the Olympics mightn't happen, you know. So, you know, when when that came around and, and the Olympics weren't happening, then I guess that allowed me to then sort of take a step back and go, OK, right, you know, get yourself you know, healthy and physically ready and mentally ready to come back to your running. Don't rush, don't rush this. Mm. You've got no need to rush this. It looks like there's going to be no races anyway for the rest of the year. So, you know, do, do this right. Not that we didn't do it right the first time. It was just, you know, my, my foot didn't get on with it, with the screw, but you know, the second time round with a hollow bone and, and really just wanting to get the body without having any niggles, you know, sometimes when you come back from, from an injury, then some other thing, you know, maybe a cab will start to tighten and sore. And, but it was like, this time it was like, right, you know, take every single day, take it so, so slowly. And I did, I took it really slowly. So within, you know, week, week five of having the screw taken out, um, I had an x-ray and everything like the consultant was amazed how well the bone looked. Um, but I did eat. I did. I had. I had a lot. You know. I decided. You know. Well, this is. This is. This is your recovery and rest time, and you need the bone to heal. You know. Let's just. You know. So like, I put on. I put on about three to four kilos. Yeah, yeah. You know. But my my body need my body needed that. You know. Um. And so within within five weeks, I was I was back doing some running, and it was so so tough. I was because I just sort of decided with myself. <laughs> this time round, right mentally I'm not going to put myself through too much of that cross training um I, I got on my bike and I was out in my bike just enjoying the countryside uh this time round instead of you know in the gym on on a on a cross trainer or in the gym on a spin bike I thought just enjoy and go out and keep yourself healthy so it was walking and going out on the bike in the country just in you know enjoying just getting that bit of sort of daily exercise when I could um so then when it came out there was a bit it was a bit of valued time out that you weren't really used to having yeah so you were just taking the opportunity really yeah Um, and there was but i did i did miss the running so much it was just like you know when can i run again you know and and it was that question is this foot going to be sore you know is it gonna but you know what as soon as i as soon as that screw came out and they allowed me to walk out with the crutches that day um and that same that same sort of stiffness pain wasn't wasn't there um so this time round there was absolutely zero pain in that fifth fifth metatarsal. It was all fully healed and it was good and I've I've had no problems with it. Now some of my other toes have been sore because I had been in a boot for so long, but that pain had sort of come with the with the first surgery. Um so yeah, it's, I've just it's quite you know, it's quite remarkable though, isn't it, how your body can actually heal itself in that way it is it is but again it is doing all the right things it really is and and it is you know your body i, th- I think one of uh, a running friend who's a doctor had had sent me had sent me a message um and um you know she she's had a lot of bone problems over the years <clears throat> and her first message to me was um look your body like she she said when she broke something she was afraid you know of putting the weight on and getting really unhealthy you know sort of you know to to a weight that it was going to be hard for her to run again so you know she she stuck to you know a restricted diet and she said to me you know Carrie please don't do that eat everything and anything under the sun because when your body when something goes wrong in your body um you know whether it's a break and 
or you know a, a tear or whatever your your body just craves you know the the nutrition to to heal properly and 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 I and I and I did feel it I was like so hungry all the time <laughs> which is usually you know when you go from running sort of like you know high mileage and then you know coming down and absolutely doing nothing you'd think oh my appetite's gonna suppress here but you know like I was I was starving I was eating all the time but it just showed that everything healed really really well you know so they you know the importance of that yeah I was glad to hear you talking about that because when I told my <laughs> ligament I could not st- stop eating for about three or four weeks Mm-hmm. Um, but you are right it's it's important to have the right type of foods around you um but do you think it's given you time to get your body in a better shape because you've had longer to build rather than rushing into things yeah i, th- I think it has now you know c- coming up to february and sort of you know c- coming off that training camp in in january in spain and then you know trying to progress things on to get myself ready to to hurdle um and and then sort of having that blip where you know when you you know gosh you know this this just isn't right but it was a question of is it just a flare-up or you know it, you know is, is the screw not right and it, it was really it was then sitting down and trying to make the decision because nobody could make the decision but myself and um, nobody could make that decision for me um there was just the scenarios right well you know it could stay in we could progress but we could find out later down the line you'd still be in the same place and so on um, and I really sort of around that time making the decision to get the screw out, I, I had a really bad place, you know, it, it was, you know, I was, I was very, very down. Um, and, you know, it was, you know, why do I do this to myself? You know, is, is it, is it worth it? Um, and then the fact, you know, sitting there thinking, gosh, you know, the break has happened. Um, the screw is in. Is this is this my body telling me that you know this this is the end of the road sort of thing? And then I had to realise that you know the break wasn't my fault. You know it was it was an accident. Um, it's not as if it, it broke because I my bones are brittle and I was under eight and I wasn't doing that. You know it broke because it was a pure accident. Um, so you know back then, um, uh, Gary Longwell started working with me, sports psychologist in in Sinai. Um, and Gary was absolutely excellent um, because Gary took me through those scenarios, you know, before before COVID, you know, hit bad. Um, he took me through the scenarios. OK, right. You know, what if what if, you know, you you know, you can't you can't really run again. It's too painful because at that stage, it, you know, it was it was sore then when I had gone and tried to hurdle and sort of hurt it a bit. So, you know, he's like, right, you know, let's let's put you through the scenarios. And he really took me through that scenario then of, right, you know, this this is what's happened. This is what might happen, you know, if you're, you're able to get through this or then the next the next scenario was right. And um, then if you have the surgery, then what's going to have to happen? Um, and then, you know, the, the you know, the third scenario was right. You know, things will never go back to the same as they were. And, you know, you're you're not going to be able to run on your foot. So what do you do next? And he, you know, he took me through that scenario of if if you're not able to run again, um, what what are you gonna do? You know, what what you know, who is Kerry outside of out of the outside of the running? It's you not know? the end and of the world. That's what he's it, trying it, to bring to you. You've got your yeah, whole it's, life it's, ahead of you. Yeah, like it's, you join the really... sailing team, and you know, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was it was really good because he took me through those different scenarios and and the fact that you know he was like right, well, you're a PE teacher, you know. And, you know, you go do some motivational talking and, um, you know, you, you run training camps and um, you do this, 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 what else, what else? And, you know, 
I could name 101 things that I want to do and I can do and I do on the side of, of, of running as well. Um, so, you know, we were going through all those different things and he's like, oh my gosh, he's like, you've got, you know, a toolbox with so many tools in here. So, you know, if there's, there's, there's always, you know, light at the end of the tunnel, you know, there's always an afterlife after the, the, the competitive side of it. And um, so he took me through all those to get me ready. Um, but then, you know, as things progressed and, and um, you know, I had the second surgery to get the screw out and, and things then started to go really well. Um, you know, I'm running really well now. So like if there if there if there had have been races even sort of last month in June, I was I was running really well and, you know, could maybe have, have run a steeplechase. But I'm sure, um, you know, Alistair Wilson, my consultant, wouldn't want me to do that. You know, I'd, I'm sure he does not want me to do that until, you know, the, the, the end of this year, which is which has worked out well, you know. Um, so, you know, then, you know, having that extra time to really refocus again. And, and at the start of the lockdown, it was really hard because it was like, well, you know, Tokyo was away anyway. Um, it's definitely away now. Um but like it's it's gonna be it's gonna be next year and it looks like we've got nothing this year. And the plan was the plan was um for me to get myself ready for some September racing before um the pandemic hit. Um so it was right, build up gradually, no racing this summer, just build yourself up, get yourself strong again, and come September, let's look at some road races and then off to altitude like I usually do, off to Fontremo and um you know out there train and and my goal then for 2020 was to try and make the the Irish team for the Eurocross in December um because it's a home it's a home race this year you know hopefully fingers crossed if it happens um so the plan was to really get myself focused built up and ready for that you know so it was getting that other goal you know it's always about you know getting that next goal in place you know so you have something to work towards um but I did find the start of lockdown really hard because you know I was I was rehabbing and then it was like what's the point in this and um you know Gary really helped me then you know write down all the things I needed to do because I would I would maybe you know get the little bit of exercises done and then I'd find myself just sitting there the rest of the day um and I did have loads of things I could have been doing you know like tidying the house or and I just wasn't you know my head wasn't in it I just wasn't it was just this you know oh here we are again you know rehabbing from you know an injury again where we're in this space and it's like you know how many times can I do this and do I want to do this and you know again there was tears because you know I, I'm human you know I've, I've been to the Olympics I'm an Olympian but I'm human like everybody else and I just I just find it hard then not being able to be in you know face-to-face -face contact with the physio as well mm -hmm. you know coming out of surgery and having that little bit of panic now they were great you know they, they zoom called me and everything and um, to make sure things were progressing well but it was just that little bit of panic right you know am I going to be okay without this one-to-one -one once a week um and now we've gone what 16 weeks without that <laughs> so you know I've, I've learned to um you know really like I'm, I'm a massage therapist myself sports massage therapist so you know um it's like right do these little bits of treatments on fight on yourself you know any niggles tightness keep it at bay um ease back you know get a really good block of core in um 
uh, David Roach from uh, Kilkenny Roach Injury Clinic has really, really helped me um, sort of put little bits and pieces together. Um, he's a physio who's come on board with us to go to different training camps when we've gone to Spain and Altitude and so on. Um, and he was like, right, OK, you know, he's always said to me, you know, you have to earn the right to run. So let's put your exercises in place as well and really sort of work on those get your body strong get your 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 pre-run activation done make sure you know that you're that you're on it each time you know you go out for a run that everything's working there and it was really yeah getting that kick up the bum somebody reminding you you know you, you've got to do your band work you've you've got to do your glute bridges you know you've got to strengthen everything up before you go out running and build your mileage back up um you know and that has really helped as well um but, you know, Gary Longwell was has been brilliant this whole lockdown for me and, and really getting me in a good place and, you know, writing things down and ticking your list off and, um, you know, really putting things. And he'd say, right, here's here's your challenge for this week. I want you to do X, Y and Z. And then he'd follow it up with a phone call. Right. Did you get those things done? And um, if you didn't, why? You know, and, um, you know, it's just it's just been things like that. I suppose coping mechanisms, using coping mechanisms, um, you know. Do, doing pure, little... pure goal setting really making sure that you have that plan writing it down accountability yeah. having that thing that's going to pull you forward as well to keep you focused and that brought you to the place where you're back up in your mileage now back running 65 70 miles a week i seen you put up a 10k time in one of your trainings there i think it was around 38 minutes um, yes, yeah, so that's for 10k, 10k tempo float um so yeah so like i i started off by just you know, one of my first runs, I started off with walk jog, you know, and it was basically just walking down to Murloc Beach and then doing, say, like 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off of, of walk jog, building that up to a minute, then building those up to two minutes, three minutes, then building that up to five minutes, then building that up to be able to walk and then run for 10 minutes and then 20 minutes. And then, you know, when I hit that 20 minute to 30 minute mark, then I was like, OK, you know, I'll go down to Castlewellan and run on the different surface, but still, you know, soft enough. Um, and jogging around the you know park run um, and you know I think I went around our park run and maybe I think it was like 27 minutes you know just you know obviously I wasn't going to try and you know run fast but it was you know even even you know that for me um, when I was when I was fit that would be you know quite slow for me you know um, you know when I'm when I'm up there and, and, and my fitness is good and um, so it was really then working on that to working on like just trying to bring the bring the the times down for my slow running first um and you know we, we built that up, up gradually um you know where I was running maybe 10 minute nine minute mile into then starting to bring that right down and it would have been just a lap of the lake and I worked on sort of the lap of the lake just chipping away at it but then just getting to the stage where I could just run run it easy and never run it hard um, and then we would bring our sessions in so um always you know bread and butter tempo running and so, we, you know, we'd start start off with, you know, one mile tempo, building that up to then, you know, the five mile tempo um, and then building that up until we're doing we're doing, a, you know, 10K sessions there of tempo and tempo float. Um, but the boys in Newcastle AC have been brilliant, keeping me company through that time. And, um, you know, we've, we, we work off each other, which is really, really good. But, you know, having the company there when I was then, you know, back 
able to to run sessions again having those guys around me um you know sort of really pulling me on you know the likes of Connor McVeigh that's been on your podcast before um my brother David um you know and a handful of the other boys um you know we all you know on a on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, all made up together. And so we're really pushing each other on. So, um, you know, the fitness has come on really well where Richard can now compare those sessions to the sessions I did back in 2015 and 16 when I was in the shape of my life. And um, we compared one of the sessions now to um, the run up to 2015, running my PB and Olympic qualifier. Um, and I am running slightly faster by just just a few seconds on that now and the heart rate's lower now the heart rate will be lower because I'm that wee bit older um but it's it's all really good indicators and that's something good that Richard's always done he's he can he can you know you ask for training my training from back in 2004 2005 and Richard will have it um it's all it's all on the system there so it's been great where Richard, he's a numbers man, so he'll go and he'll analyze, you know, what we're up to now. And and the sessions we worked on there as well with the the, the 10K volume, um, you know, would would roll over on a say 20, 20 something days and um, you know, say 21 days, and would look back to when we did that session and we could see the progression and how good it was and, and how fast my fitness then started coming back. Like it was tough at the start, you know, it was really tough, you know, when I got, you know, a few weeks of running under my belt and then started sessions. Um, my tempo runs, I was maybe running my tempo runs about seven minute mileing. Um, where now I'm down, I'm down to the the five forties. Um, you know, which I'm absolutely delighted with, but it was, you know, it was really taking that easy and not, you know, going into it too hard and and really working off heart rate. I've always um, worked off heart rate for for a long time, sort of making that jump from um, being a being a mountain runner um, and, and and running on the track to then deciding right, I really want to you know make the Olympics. You know we've brought tempo threshold running in and and worked on heart rate for me. Um, so we worked on heart rate coming back as well. So I stuck to my thresholds heart rate for those first tempo sessions and you know the, the heart rate was up there at 165 167 for seven minute mileing which now i'm doing recovery runs at you know yeah. somewhere between seven and 730 for recovery runs now at a, at a heart rate of 135 to 140 um so you know the, 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 the running zones are very very important though aren't they they we are t- we they touched are. on it a couple of episodes ago um mm-hmm. You know about your aerobic and anaerobic and obviously the dead zone that's in between that yeah no it's it's, it's really good working off the heart rates because then you know you can make sure that you're training the right energy zone that you want to train you know um and and if that session is to be an aerobic session then you know sticking to your heart rates is is really really important because as soon as you then start you know going above that lactic threshold heart rates um you know individually then the lactic in the body rises um, and, you know, you're flooding with lactic and, you know, then, you know, you switch to start training, you know, a different zone, um, which then can be, you know, quite detrimental. And, you know, we've, we've looked at that in the past where I've maybe been on the track and, you know, as, as, 
I guess all runners are the same as, as, as we get fitter, we want to run faster, you know, even if that's a recovery run or it's a session. Um, and I guess sessions can get competitive sometimes if you're in a group and everybody's pushing on. Connor McVeigh is very competitive, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's really, you know, when, when you do then start getting fitter and wanting to run faster, um, you know, you do start pushing the pace. But then, you know, it, it can then backfire on you, you know, that you're, you're you're not keeping that aerobic base. You then, you know, start, you know, chipping at that aerobic base and starting to train in a different zone then can be really detrimental. But it's really important to, you know, keep that aerobic base. And when you need to do your, your speed stuff and, and, and race fast sessions, then you bring that in and you bring that in very carefully. Um, and that can be brought in within, you know, a three-week period of knowing there's going to be races. You know, if, if you've got your endurance block and your, you know, your, your, your anaerobic, you know, system built up, then it's basically, you know, just a fact of, of, of tapping in to those faster sessions. So it's only now that in the past week, um, because we know that there's going to be some races popping up, you know, sort of mid, mid July, um, August, September, when we know those races are coming up, we are now tapping in to really um, starting to do our fartlek sessions. Um, you know, the, the track, you're having to book tracks and stuff at the minute. So at the minute, you know, we don't really need track work because, um, you know, I'm, I'm undecided at the moment whether I will, you know, run a track race. I, I probably will, but it'll probably be maybe five thousand. You know, to see where I am. Um, until I get the go ahead that you know, um, I'm allowed to jump and land properly again. Although I am, I'm am back hurdling, back hurdling now. Um, I'll be going into my fourth or fifth week now of hurdling and working with Tom Reynolds. Um, so the jumps are all there, the hurdling's there, but um, you know, there's there's no rush for me to to steeple in in 2020. Um. But um, yeah, so we're, we're now sort of working on our fartlek sessions as well, but still, you know, sort of religiously doing that tempo and tempo float um, once a week um, and a steady run during the week. And then another session will be that fartlek session where you're actually, you know, running, running faster. You know, it doesn't matter about heart rate. You're just doing your, you know, yeah. your, your, your reps, you know, not race pace, but probably 90%. Yeah, but it's so important to have that for the 3,000 steeple. Like, you've got that aerobic. Like, that last 1,000 meters is relentless because you've got mm. that fatigue that you're carrying. I, I, I don't know how you do it, to be honest, <laughs> but to be able to jump one of the barriers, yeah. like, because you are fatiguing on that last, it's just pure relentless. You are. Yeah, um, so and in the past, I've never liked the longer stuff. I've never liked the longer, the longer reps. But now I've learned to to love the longer reps. You know, you know, when you're breaking that 10k um tempo float into maybe you know your your 2k reps and 3k reps rather than you know 1k reps. At the moment, I'm probably enjoying the twos and three k's more than than the ones. You know, because with the ones, sometimes Richard only gives us 500 500 meter float in between them, which is pretty tight. Um, but at the same time, then we're doing like today's session was tempo float along with um, eight by 30 second hills, you know, so the power hills are, are really bringing in that power and, you know, um, developing that that speed that we will need to, to race as well um, and, and helping me on that last kilometer too, you know, to, you know, to make sure that, you know, the, the aerobic capacity is there, but also, you know, the, the power and speeds there as well. Excellent. Um, so Tokyo 2021, um, mm -hmm. 
have you got sight of a roadmap on what you want to be doing between now and potentially there because it's it's still quite a way away we don't really know there's still a bit of uncertainty yeah. what's going on it is and and the IAAF announced that um, the qualifying period for athletes and other sportsmen and women will not um, start again until the 1st of December. But as we all know, the track season's over there. <laughs> in you know, at the track season ends in, in Europe, you know, come, you know, the end of August time, really. And you'll get a few races at the start of September. Um, you know, I know the the, the national championships um, have been billed for the 22nd and 23rd of August um, and the Northern Ireland championships for the 12th and 13th of September, I think. Um, so, you know, there will be some races to run there, um, but there there won't be the chance to to qualify to gain any points or anything. And um, that doesn't begin until the 1st of December. So what I will be looking at is to um, head off to altitude probably in September, like um, I have done most years and build towards, you know, the, the training, the winter training block, really. Um, you know, I always want to have a little goal in sight. So, you know, the goal will be to, you know, to run um, National Cross and, you know, fingers crossed, you know, try and make that that Irish team for the, the race in December. Um, and and then after that, probably looking towards, um, hopefully, if everything goes OK, you know, um, heading towards going to Australia, possibly for February. Um, because it'll be the the summer track season in Australia, and again we will have to wait until um, the very end of May, the beginning of June, for track races in Europe. So the plan would probably be to to look at going to Australia to run a couple of races, um, and then from there going probably going to altitude in Albuquerque and running a couple of races in the states. Um, to then prepare myself then for for coming home and, and getting some races across Europe. Um, and I guess for me, um, you know, my, my, breath, my best training years were 2015 and 2016. So we will be looking to tap in, you know, to to how I, I put that season together. Um, you know, we weren't we learned from a few mistakes back then as well. You know, when I talked about there, you know, sort of getting faster and wanting to push reps faster um you know we find that you know when I did that and I went into a race maybe in 2015 you know the qualifying standard wasn't wasn't coming you know it was like gosh you know I'm running so fast in training you know why is this not clicking and it was you know then you know Richard had a discussion with um Chris Jones from from Wales and um he says, look, uh, send me a few of sessions they were sent over. You know, Richard's always been a great one to sort of liaise with other coaches and, you know, to to get that extra information. He's always learning like all of us. And, um, uh, you know, Chris pointed out, no, she's she's definitely, you know, what's the what's the lactic in her blood? And we do have a machine that we we test the, the lactic in blood during a session. And um, he says, no, she's overreaching. She's <clears throat> she's running that too fast. Pull her back, pull her completely back you know get her to run slower she needs to run slower on those reps so we you know we, we pulled things back and ran slower and and then you know the qualifying the qualifying came you know i ran a pb of 412 over 1500 and then i think it was two weeks later then ran the, the 942 to qualify for the world championships in the olympics so you know we will be looking at you know what we did back then um and correct some of the mistakes back then as well to hopefully hopefully have a smooth 2021 um get back racing and you know really have a shot shot of tokyo you know it was always 
you know, let's let's try and and um, you know make Tokyo. Let's try and make a second Olympics. Um, like everything, you know, it, it mightn't happen, but at least I've actually you know give it a really good try. Um, you know, I've always said you know to people or you know said to you in the past, you know, I don't feel that my body's done on the running side internationally. I I think there's there's still something there. Um, you know, if you look at other female endurance athletes, like the Joe Pavey, you know, you know, she's one of the athletes that shows, you know, you know, she can run into her forties. Um, I'm 39 uh, this month. <laughs> so, you know, it was being 40 going into the next Olympics isn't such a big deal in, you know, women's endurance. It really isn't. Um, so it's really taken inspiration from those athletes like Joe Pavey, like Paula Radcliffe, who all, you know, we're running, you know, really good times for marathon and for 5K, 10K and so on. Um, and, yeah. and and they really hit the, probably the peaks of their lives. It's quite amazing you know? though, isn't it? There's been this, it seems to be this real shift. And mm. it's, on, it's not unlike the Roger Bannister, you know, breaking the four minute mile. You know, it opens people's mindset to what's actually possible. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think I think it's probably the training years. You know, it it takes it takes an awful lot of training years to actually you know get yourself into sh- to to shape you know to to run at an Olympics or you know to even qualify for Olympics and so on. And and really, I think a lot of coaches would would agree that it takes about you know five good years of you know nothing going really wrong you know maybe a couple of niggles along the way there and so on but you know a a, a smooth sort of five-year transition you know from right yeah I want to I want to make you know this championship that championship to then you know finally making it and you know I'm sure the girls you know wouldn't mind me saying but you know a lot of our endurance girls in Ireland um you know are are in their 40s or nearly 40 you know you've got the likes of Lizzie Lee who made the Olympics the same year as myself and uh Breach Connolly um you know um, you know, Fanula, Fanula Britain, you know, Fanula McCormick, she's, you know, you know, past her mid thirties now. So, you know, it's, you know, it's, and, and when you look at the Eurocross teams, you know, the Eurocross senior women's teams, you know, the likes of Lizzie Lee's been on it, you know, um, Anne-Marie McGlynn, myself, um, you know, we are sort of, you know, the, the older women, if you want to put it that way, you know, we are, you know, the, you know, the, 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 the veterans, I guess, if you want to call us that, but, um, you know, we're running, you know, senior competition, we are making senior championships, um, you know, and, and hopefully, you know, we're inspiring, you know, those younger girls to, you know, to keep at it, you know, if things aren't going right, you know, to still keep at it, to still keep in touch with their athletics, if, you know, things go wrong, or there's injury and so on. Um, and to really sort of give them incentive that if they do drop out, they can always come back into it. You know, there's so many runners and, you know, I see so many runners out there, even sort of on the Couch to 5K programs. Um, a lot of females that have, have just come out running, you know, in their 40s and 50s and really enjoying it. So, Carrie, this is such a yeah. great podcast. <laughs> it's such a great episode, like for inspiration. This is Saturday on Thursday. I went to see Alistair Wilson as well. <laughs> he's great. Isn't he? He's brilliant. He really I is. Goes, I'm really frustrated. He goes, "What's wrong with you?" I said, um, "Carrie ran a sub 40 minutes the other day, and I've still got a bendy toe. Come on!" <laughs> and he goes, "Well, it's up to you." <laughs> and he's 100 percent right. And and it, yeah. the story that you've given us there, you know, whether it happens or doesn't happen for you, you've left every stone. You haven't left a stone not unturned. You've done mm-hmm. everything you possibly can. And no matter what happens when you look back, 
you'll always be satisfied what the results will be. Yeah, I, th- I think so now. And I've really got that in my head now. And, and I guess it's, you know, it's it's really from, you know, working with a sports psychologist as well, you know, to say like, you know, you've, you've, you've done a lot, you've achieved an awful lot. And even, you know, Richard will say to me, look, you have achieved so much. Look at what have you achieved, you've achieved, you know, people dream of achieving what you've achieved. Um, and, you know, you know, don't, don't have sour grapes if you don't make the next one, you know. So he also touched on um, what you had in your toolbox. You've set up a running workshop. Do you want to tell me a little bit about that and what, if, yep. I, if I was to come to you about the workshop, um, how would that process work? Yeah, so um, I spoke to you earlier on there about um, physio David Roach. Um, he has a clinic in Kilkenny, um, Roach Injury Clinic. Um, and, you know, he has helped me sort of along the years, um, you know, with my running and, um, you know, all the little bits, all the performance side that I have to sort of put together to go along to, you know, to marry with the running. You know, Richard's my running coach. Um, but we've also, you know, had input from other areas, whether it's been, you know, strength and conditioning, whether it's activation and so on. Um, and David's been on many camps with us um, and he has tapped in and he's really helped me with the performance side of my running, you know, looking at, you know, sort of getting strong to hurdle, getting strong to run, um, my body being capable and able to to run, you know, when we look at it and break it down and, you know, okay, right, you know, you could be stronger in your glutes and, you know, I preach glute activation to everybody all the time, you know. So, um, so next week I will be joining him in Kilkenny, and we are running um a workshop um from his clinic. It will be mainly based outside, um, you know, to to abide by all rules and regulations at the moment. Um, so we're looking at um running performance, and we're really looking at um how my running is set out on a weekly basis, but also um what um David has brought to it and, and can bring, you know, to, you know, you know, how um, a, a physiotherapist or, you know, any type of um, therapist or SNC coach can bring, you know, to uh, an elite athlete or any athletes, you know, running. Um, so we'll be talking about, you know, the running performance side of it. Um, then um, I'll be taking like a warm up and a running session, which um, will be for all abilities. And um, there'll be question and answers with myself. And then there'll be a performance conditioning session with David. Um, so we'll be using bands and looking at band work, looking at activation work, and also looking at the gym side and the S&C side and how it marries, you know, with, with the running um, and, um, you know, how one helps the other and so on. Um, there'll be also a question and answer with him to ask any, you know, sort of performance and injury prevention questions as well. Um, so it's really sort of um, a running camp based on running, how I really went from being a club athlete to, you know, an elite Olympian um, and sort of what I've done along the way um, as far as, you know, scheduling out my program and um, looking at the running and also then bringing in the extras of, you know, sort of the, um, the you know, the activation work with the bands um, the core um, and, and all, all the little bits that you really need, you know, as you said, like running a car, it's just like running a car, you know, you need to lift the bonnet and, you know, <laughs> and, and sort everything out there. It needs to be oiled. It needs to be, you know, you just can't go out and drive it. So it's, you, it's quite crazy, can't. isn't it? Like we, we go to 5K races and everybody gets out of the cars and goes to the starting line. Yeah. And, and they're just going to shoot off as fast as they can without doing much activation work or warm up. Um, mm-hmm. I was actually at my physio yesterday 
and he was saying you know you need to prepare your body he spends 45 yeah. minutes in the morning before he starts lifting his weights mm -hmm. so his body's ready to lift weights and get a quality workout and um, but we just go off cold a lot of people but I suppose the workshop is really to give you an insight of what's actually happening and how you prepare your body and the benefits that you get from that. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, you know, we're really sort of it's, it's for people of all abilities um, to show them that, you know, you know, following a training session, you know, it mightn't be exact sessions like mine, but, you know, even that, you know, tempo work and the float work, but especially, you know, bringing in that activation side of it, you know, um, David has me doing exercises now before I go out the door, before every run, there will be, you know, running activation exercises before I go and do any run or any session. If I have two runs a day, I do that twice. You know, I'll, I'll do those warm up exercises, you know, before each of the, each of those runs. Um, so the the um, workshop, you can book on the workshop. Um, I have a link on my Facebook page and also my Instagram page, Run Kerry Run, and the link's in the bio. Um, so people can sign sign up there for the workshop um, and the workshop will include a goodie bag. We've had some sponsors come on there um, to provide a goodie bag. Um, and there's also there'll be the bands provided as well for the participants. Um, and we're, we'll put an announcement up on um, Instagram later. We have had one of the sponsors come through um, with a competition prize. So we'll have a competition that day. We'll fire a question at the group. Um, and it's actually um, around 150 euro worth of um, sports equipment and gear, um, which is really, really good. Like we were um, really excited by that today to, to get word on that. Um, so it's 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 really, you know, a workshop to be, you know, fun, educational, and it is open to runners of all abilities and also coaches um, and, you know, physical therapists um, or um, personal trainers as well um, to really get an insight on, into how I have trained um, and how people can train to to get to that next level and, um, you know, to improve their performance and really prevent injury as well, because, so many people will go out, run, 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 and then the niggle will come on and then the niggle will turn into an injury. But it's really given people those tools to use and take away um, to really implement into their running and, um, you know, become stronger runners. Yeah, it's really, really taking all that experience that you've gained over those years to become an Olympian and trying to share that to people. And just, mm -hmm. you know, it's not all about physical ability. It's about your mental understanding, I suppose, of what's happening and how your body's reacting. Um, it sounds absolutely excellent. It's um, I'm going to put the link into the show notes for anybody so they can link through that yep. and register That's through great. that. Um, it's a full day, so it's a full it's a full day from 10:30 in the morning. We'll have a lunch break and we'll, we'll finish off. I think 4 4:30 in the in the afternoon. Um, so it is it's it's a full day. What date and, is that? Know, what date? It's is the 11th Saturday, Saturday the 11th of July. Saturday the 11th of July. So just at the start of the holidays for everybody. Yeah, um, and that's Beautiful part of the country as well for people that um, want to take the family over for a weekend break and then sneak off for a little bit of running. <laughs> yeah, I know, because it's lovely there by the castle. There is a lovely run, you know, down by the river around the castle and then the castle gardens as well. So it's going to be the castle gardens where we, we will meet at the clinic and then we'll be basing ourselves at the castle gardens to get the get the running part of the workshop um, sorted. Um, so it's we're just fingers crossed. We're hoping for good weather. <laughs> Excellent. Carrie, thanks very much. We'll wrap it up at that. Um, that was an absolutely excellent episode. I'm going to go nice my feet now. <laughs> you, you focus me so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I got a lot out of it and it really helped me to refocus on my own injuries. Focus, determination, whatever it takes, but it's up to you to do the work. 
Before I go, one last shout out for the Fimacool Challenge. It's going to be epic. It starts on the 10th of July, 1350 kilometers in 16 days. We have an amazing lineup of people already entered. It would be epic to see you there. So until next week, stay safe and keep on moving.